Matthew 5, 13 through 16 this morning. Let me remind you that we stand not out of superstition, but as a means of reminding us of God's inerrant, infallible, holy, special word. It's unique above all other books. So we stand in honor of God. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You may be seated. This morning as we pray, we're going to remember a team going out to Tijuana, Mexico to help do a house build. Uh, Glenn Perry and Don Livesey are leading a team that includes Sam Johnson and Lindy Parsons, Chris Clark, Joe Henderson, Joe Hammond, Kristen and Micah Jenkins, Mike, Ruth, and Wyatt McFarlane. i also like to remind everyone that giving is as much an act of worship as our singing and praying and hearing God's word preached. So you're encouraged to, to give online. Um, you can write checks into the office, or there's a, a box in the back uh, that you can give offerings in. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, you alone are worthy of all glory and honor and majesty. You are worthy of our, our praise. You are the creator of heaven and earth. You are the redeemer of your people. You have called us to yourself. You have predestined us. You have chosen us. You have adopted us. We thank you, Father. Lord, we confess that too often our thoughts are turned inward. Too often we think of what we want, what we believe we need, what we desire. We become wise in our own eyes rather than seek after your wisdom. Father, we get angry when we don't get our way. We get hurt. Sometimes we get mopey and offended. We're offended easily. Father, forgive us. Help us not to become easily offended. Help us to love others with the pure love that you have loved us with. Lord, we thank you that you have given us life and breath. Every good gift is from you. Everything that we need, you've gifted to us. We thank you, Father. Lord, we know that there are those among us who are ill. We pray for health. We know that there's those who are recovering from surgery, we pray for, for healing. Father, there are those who are just lonely and need to be comforted. We pray for strength, your strength to do your will. Lord, we pray for this team going to, to Tijuana. We pray for their unity, we pray for their depth of faith we pray for the family that they will be serving, building a house for. We pray that their house becomes a home, particularly as they are given a Bible. May your word fill that home and become a, a sanctuary to all who visit. We continue to pray for Mike and Connor and Tony and Steve as they are ministering in Malawi. They've already had their day of worship. 
in preaching. Father, we pray for the conference that they'll be doing uh, this coming week. We pray for their return, their safe return on Friday. We pray that in the conference they're giving, in the teaching and the preaching of their word, Lord, that you would cause your word to sink down deep and cause growth. May your name be glorified. May their ministry be fruitful. As we pray for our ministry here to be fruitful, you have given us the ministry of reconciliation. May we go forth as ambassadors of Christ, preaching reconciliation, that we have been reconciled to God and we need to be reconciled to one another. Lord, you and you alone are good. You and you alone are worthy of our praises. We pray that you would be glorified in all that we do, all that we say, all that we think. To you be the glory. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.
Father, we thank you so much for your grace towards us. Lord, you are so holy and righteous and good. And Lord, we confess that we have sinned against you just innumerable times, Lord, and cannot stand before you on our own. But thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, Lord, and take our place so that we can have a relationship with you for all of eternity. We just thank you for the amazing hope that you've given us in Jesus. Lord, we praise you. We ask for your help to understand your word this morning, Lord. We ask all this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. I just said that because I like to hear you talk back to me. That's kind of cool. Well, our text this morning uh, tells us that um, we are people of influence. And, um, and we are. I, there are a lot of people I know who say, no, nah, that's not true. Nobody knows me. Nobody cares. And I kind of like it that way. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, our text tells us, as Jesus says to us, that uh, we are all people of influence. And uh, the first place of influence we have it is in our own family. Um, we're all observed uh, by each other, you know, throughout the day, the time, the week, and life. And um, what's important to us is revealed to each other by the decisions we make um, and the actions that we take. Um, what we do and what we don't do says something to everybody else in the family about, says something about us and what we value. And um, what we say, how we complain, um, how we endure, um, how we trust God or not. All of these things are an influence in our family. And it's not just those close connections. Uh, there's just momentary passing times with people that we have influence and totally unaware. Um, I think of in our own neighborhood, um, co-workers, um, our boss, uh, school classmates, or, uh, or maybe the grocery store cashier, um, or store clerks, or bank tellers, the pharmacist, or doctors, uh, or even people here at church. We're observed. And, um, and we're either attracted or repelled by how we interact and what we see in somebody else or in some cases, just disinterested. Um, we could say, if they don't like me, that's their problem, not mine. But that's not true. Uh, we represent more than ourselves. As believers in Christ, we represent him. At the beginning of the second year of uh, Jesus' public ministry, large crowds began to follow him. And Luke describes it this way. A great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. That's half of the country of Israel, by the way. Um, all these people who came to hear him, to hear Jesus, and to be healed of their diseases. Um, and we know that this, uh, this gathering happened on a large uh, sloping hillside 
um, near the city of Capernaum, which is in the northeast uh, corner of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Carla and I had the privilege of being there uh, a lot of years ago now, it seems like. But uh, I remember sitting up there and thinking, you know, this is, this, he could do this. He could pull this off here. <laughs> he wouldn't even need a megaphone. But uh, just thinking of thousands of people up on the hillside and his standing there and speaking. And the, the things he shared with this large crowd in this uh, day outdoors and in a day-long seminar. Um, he taught the, the values of God and human character and relationships. What's important to God in character and relationships? And it's interesting that all the things that he taught that day are in stark contrast to our natural behavior as humans. Um, his words were recorded by, uh, by his disciple, uh, Matthew, and if you've got your book someplace or got your phone, however you're working it there with you, uh, if you look to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, and kind of hang there, we're going to be coming back to it several times this morning. But um, Matthew 5, 13, um, verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, uh, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people take light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. And I want you to note something here in uh, these two thoughts, that you are salt and you are light of the world. Jesus didn't ask his listeners to consider being salt and light. He didn't leave them the uh, option of saying, uh, I'll be salt and light when I have time, or when I feel like it, or when I think I'm adequate. He said, you are salt and light. The question is, what kind of influence do you have? Are you salty or not? Does your light shine or are you hiding it? But his statement was, we are people of influence. The question is, what kind? And the, uh, the analogy that's given to us here, it's a, of, uh, of spiritual influence, but this analogy of salt and light, we have here two elements of positive influence that we all experience in the course of our week. Um, salt uh, heals, um, stings, but it heals. Um, salt preserves, it makes things stay uh, healthy and free of bacteria longer. Um, and it, it enhances flavors. Uh, do you know what oatmeal tastes like without salt in it? And even then, but that's another whole thing. But um, salt uh, adds something to what we eat. And, uh, and I learned another thing here just uh, some years ago, and that is that salt is essential for the cells of our body to live. Um, I did a 40-day fast kind of thing. I thought it was really noble. I'm careful how I say that. But at any rate, I, it, I did learn something through that fast, a liquid fast kind of thing is that I don't need near as much food as I thought I did. But uh, after the fast time, about a couple months later, I was really sick. And I went to the doctor and he drew some blood. And 
And he said, I got a question for you, Ed. Um, do you use salt? And I said, no, it hardens the arteries. <laughs> and then uh, he asked another question. He says, uh, do, do you eat red meat? I said, no, no, it uh, creates cholesterol in your body and your blood. It's not, it's not good. I'm trying to be healthy. And he says, well, you young man are about to die. I said, what? He said, well, look at your blood. You have no sodium in your blood. And I want you to look here. You have no chloride in your blood. And he drew a couple circles, and he said, the transfer of sodium from one cell to another and chloride in return, that transfer of those two factors allow the cell to live. And you don't have any. And he gave me a prescription. Stop it in and out on the way out and salt my fries. <laughs> but I learned in that moment that salt is, is an important thing to at least consider, but maybe, maybe just guard how much I take in. But uh, salt, salt has influence. And I, so when I think of that in terms of Jesus' statement, that we are the salt of the earth, that we have influence in the world we live in. And we'll be talking about what, what is that influence like? What does that amount to? But uh, we also looked and we said, it's light. We're light of the world. And I said, light dispels darkness. And um, I learned it also produces healthy vitamins in our body, so, I guess. And it also produces skin cancer. But, you know, that's another issue. Uh, but uh, these, are, this is, these two are uh, analogies of spiritual influence that Jesus is teaching us. And I asked the question, what is your status in life? Um, is your influence positive or negative? Um, are others interested in your faith because of you? Um, are they asking questions about your faith by any chance? Um, and do you want your influence to be effective? And so I have a couple suggestions here that are fundamental to uh, a relationship with God, fundamental to living a life that honors him. And you're gonna say, Ed, why are you going there? And I, I'll say it only because it's so fundamental, we take it for granted and, and dismiss in our daily life. But the first thing is this, if you have a problem with being salty, that your life uh, is, uh, has positive influence, and I see salty as being spiritually vital, alive, um, and I, I need to always remember that any spiritual influence that's going to come out of my life is going to be work of the Holy Spirit who lives in me. It's, it's not what we do and how good we are. It's can people see God in us. That's what is the, an effective, positive influence as salt of the earth. And... Uh, I think there's two ways uh, that are important to us to nurture our spiritual life and vitality. And two scriptures come to mind to me. Uh, one is Matthew uh, 4, uh, it, when Jesus was being tempted. He made the statement of this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Food is not what sustains us. God's word is what sustains us in living. Peter wrote it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Right. 
Read God's word daily and reflect on it. Um, even writing this to share it with you, say this this morning, uh, brought conviction to my own heart. Um, I'm speaking almost every weekend, uh, someplace. Um, uh, I teach on a variety of situations. I'm involved in several groups and I'm involved in personal counseling with individuals and I'm opening the Bible all the time um, for other people. But I'm not opening the Bible to read it for me. And uh, that's the conviction that, that came in my own heart here. To know and understand, I personally need to feed on what God has to say about life, about himself, about me. And I, I want to be salty. I had to be fresh and alive in my own heart and life. Um, so I'm asking the question to myself, what am I learning about God as I read in his book? What am I learning about him? What am I learning about his character, about his will, what he wants? What am I learning about myself, about life? And, um, and another question I think is helpful is, who are you sharing what you're learning? Who are you sharing with? And discussing the things, because that dialogue with somebody else helps embed those thoughts in our hearts and lives. Um, so read daily. And the other thing I think we need to do is to talk to God often. Uh, I could have used the word, we should pray uh, more, but Prayer is, um, in, in my world, my personal world, it means uh, ceremony, it means uh, an, an occasion, uh, it means something. All I'm saying, you have a conversation with somebody, there's no formality to that particularly. You, you have dialogue, you, you talk. Do that with God. Just it, spend some time with him. And even spend some time quietly with God in prayer. It's amazing how many things that I've heard in the course of the week in message or in thought or things from God's word that the Spirit brings to my mind when I just give him some quiet time. And have a conversation with God. Often. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, last Monday, I was ready for this morning. Uh, well, almost ready. I had 11 pages of notes, and I had to reduce it to four. Um, and as the week proceeded, my message in my head became like mud, like soup. It, I couldn't, where's the structure? Where's the order? Where am I going? What do I do with this? And everything I wrote down and started, it, it, it all fell apart in my head. And I said, am I suffering from AGE? Uh, I said, can I not process thought anymore? Uh, what is happening here? And, uh, and about halfway through the week, I said, Maybe I should talk to you, Lord. I, I'm, I'm standing in front of your people, sharing your word and wanting to help them grow in you. I probably ought to just ask you to help me get through this. What's going on? And uh, 
And that, made, that was a little helpful, but it wasn't until last night that all of a sudden the structure just fell in place. Now, it may still sound confusing to you or disorganized, but in my head, I got it together. But, uh, but, it, but it came from my time in, in prayer. Uh, not looking more at my notes, but just saying, God, what do you want to say? You've, you've, you've prepared me with a whole more than I can deliver, and how do you want me to do that? But don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. I have another thought, I, and that is that how do, you, how do you ask something of God and say thank you? I mean, you don't have it yet. Well, you thank him in faith. And, and the point is, when you pray, pray in faith. Believe God's hearing you, and he's going to do something. It may not be what you want, but you know he's listening, and he's going to cause all things to work together for you, good for you. You love him, willing to fit into what he has in store for you in life, in his purpose. He's got you. So that was just a personal testimony to you, just in the practice of prayer. The other thing in prayer I think is important to us is that we regularly confess and enjoy God's forgiveness and cleansing in our life. Um, don't give Satan room to accuse you, because he will. He has a title, the accuser, and he's got no ground to stand on. Um, for you and I stand in Christ, and any penalty that could be placed against us, any judgment placed against us, Jesus took upon himself on the cross. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I come and I confess and walk in a clean and right relationship with him. Uh, that's helpful. And, uh, but pray often and confess often. First uh, John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. These two practices, be in the book, talk to God, uh, will give room for God to work through you. And uh, a clean vessel, conscious of God's presence, will be salty. And um, so I asked this, the, the second analogy here, light. Uh, is your problem with your light? Uh, uh, the question is, are you keeping your light at home? Or do you just bring it to church with you? Does anybody else in your life, your world, see your light? Light is influential if it's in a dark place. Where is there despair, distrust, sadness, fear, hope, no hope? Take your light there. Who can you engage in relationship and conversation or with presence that would bring light into their dark life? Sometimes uh, the thought crosses my mind, no, please, I can't, I can't have another conversation with him. It is so despairing. You know, I think that sometimes. And I'm going, Lord, that's crazy. You've given me a resource in you. Help me with what I've got to get done to get it done, but to have the time to spend with somebody who needs some light in their life. When I first read, again, just reflecting for today, uh, you are the light of the world. I said, Jesus said that to the crowd. 
No, he's the light of the world. And in fact, three times in the sequence in the Gospel of John, following this situation of the story that he did, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls himself the light of the world. Now, I could grant him that, but me, I don't think so. Unless I have the understanding that the light of the world that someone sees in me is him. They see Jesus in me. You see what I'm saying? When we came to faith, the Holy Spirit took up residence in us. God is present in us. The light of the world is present in us. And can my life be so transparent that they could see God's presence and work in my heart and my life? That my presence would be his light that they see. Well, salt and light. There's one more verse there this morning. It's Matthew 5, verse 16. I think it's another truth for us to consider in what it means to be an effective influence. It says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. He didn't say share the gospel. I don't know if he was at that point in his ministry where he was doing that. But he said, let your light so shine that they may see your good works. I've always put down good works as, you know, human effort. You know, I, that's kind of how I've thought about that. But to read that, that statement, Jesus wants us to do good things that have an influence on the lives of people around us. Good works. But I want to make it clear that living a good life and doing good works will not assure you of eternal life when your body's done here. Eternal life is a gift from Jesus that he gives us through the sacrifice of himself. But I want you to listen to the importance of good works in the scriptures. And I've read through these before, but they never bounced off the page for me like they did this time. I'm looking at Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. I think Mike, is, is he that far? Pastor Mike, is he, is he that far now? But it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So doing good things, kind acts, good works, is part of God's design for us in living our life. James put it on the table this way in James chapter 2, verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and is lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
So good works are fruit of our faith. They're evidence of our faith. Paul um, sent uh, Titus to be the pastor, overseer of uh, the believers in the island of Crete. And uh, Paul wrote a letter to Titus. It's in our Bible. Uh, He says this, The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, Titus. So listen up. So that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Titus 3.8 So good works are a tangible way of demonstrating love to others. They also produce gratitude and trust and become a foundation of building a relationship in which you have influence. I care deeply about the people I meet. I want them to know Jesus the way I do. Um, Good works, acts of kindness done for the welfare of others and without return set you apart from most of the world. People are actually looking for the motive. (laughs) Why are you doing this? It stimulates interest on the parts of those, the the ones receiving uh, your acts of kindness. And they do see that you are different and your life is attractive and appreciated and doors are open to conversation about your life and your faith from doing something kind. Um, COVID did a good thing for us. I wasn't gone out all over the place all the time because I was told to stay home. And, and uh, cabin fever's a thing with me. I get it in 10 minutes. And uh, so I was out and about walking the neighborhood a lot uh, during the times of COVID. And so were some of my neighbors. Uh, people have been there for years, but I didn't know their name. But I know them now. And I don't only know their name, but uh, I know what they do. I know who's in their family. I know what's important to them. And they've asked me about me, and they know about our family. And uh, that was a really good thing for us. Uh, we're really more of a neighborhood because of COVID. And maybe in part because I had motivation to get acquainted And in most of the cases, it was my initiative and conversation that started it. But once I opened my mouth, they heard and returned. So it's a a helpful thing to do. Just know that uh, we loan things to each other. We look after each other. It's kind of interesting the influence we have on each other. One person in our neighborhood mowed their lawn for the first time since November. And in one week, everybody else mowed their lawn. So we just, you never know the level of influence that comes, comes your way. Um, I want people to place their trust in Jesus and in his death in their behalf. I respect where they're at, and I respect God's timing. Um, but I'm going to be there present and seek to be a presence of Jesus uh, wherever I go. Uh, I want them to find the freedom uh, this faith brings to us the confidence it brings, the peace, the energy, the excitement for living that comes in Christ. I want want that they find and enjoy a personal relationship with God. 
And I want this for them and not for me. I'm not doing it to satisfy my expectations. I think it's important that any acts of kindness that we do, we do for the total benefit of the other person and nothing else, and expecting nothing in return. It's amazing how agenda is picked up. Come with only one agenda, just that you care about them, you love them because God does. Let that be the relationship base for you. God loves each person. What does the scripture say? For God so loved the world. Some of them. Don't think that's what it says. And he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's helpful to me in relating to the world around me to remember that that's a person God loves. I've had opportunity to serve overseas in a whole lot of different contexts, but hey, I live in Orange County. I'm standing in front of a group of people here or from, from all over the world. When we moved to Orange County 50 years ago, um, we were 70% all white folk. <laughs> Caucasian, they called us. And, and now we're 30% and, and 2 million people more than were here 50 years ago. I don't even have to get on a plane and go somewhere in the world. I just go across the street or go to the store and I'm meeting people from places that cost me thousands of dollars to go see before. But I remember this, they're all a creation of God. They were all knit together in their mother's womb just like me. Can I see every individual, apart from their behavior, their manner, whatever impressions I get of them, they are all creations of God. Can I treat them like that? Do I know what God wants for them? Can I help them understand that? Can, can I model that for them in my own life? It's helpful for us to, to understand the, the, the world we live in and, and not to think of ourselves as that unique. I think something else is helpful. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, according to God, said this, this life we live is vanity, empty, and blowing in the wind. The pursuit of personal happiness will disappoint. The accumulation of things will only consume your life and leave you empty. We will all eventually lie down and not get up. For what do we live? There isn't a human being on the face of this earth that doesn't face that question in their life at some point. And what answer can they give? We in Christ have an answer that brings hope to us and confidence. We used to come to funerals, and now we come to celebrations. <laughs> and we have that hope to share with other people. No man lives uh, unto himself alone. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, 13 say this, 
God sees it all. He knows what we're thinking. He knows our motives and intentions of our heart. All things are exposed and wide open to God. We can't hide from him. To him and him alone, we will give an account for everything in our lives. He is our judge. And gratefully, Jesus took everything that could be held against us in his own body on the cross and died paying the penalty that you and I deserve for our rebellion and self-centeredness, neglect, disbelief, all the things that would separate us from God. Jesus bore on the cross and was judged there in his death. And through his death, he has the right to grant to us forgiveness and welcomes us. God is just, but God is merciful. And he's loving. And uh, this is good news uh, to people who are alone, empty, consumed, fearful, despaired. People whose arrogance has been broken and sense of worth trashed. So what happens when we come to Jesus? Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you have your Bible there someplace, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 with me. <clears throat> I'm looking at verse 17. <laughs> uh, God prompted Paul to write this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Coming to faith in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, God causes us to be born anew, says in John 1, or John 3, that uh, uh, we have a new body. We have a spiritual birth, a new birth, a second birth. We're a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And keep reading with me. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of, for Christ. That is, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Have you professed faith in Jesus and his death in your behalf? 
then you have been reconciled to God. And if you've been reconciled to God, he has given to you the ministry responsibility of bringing the message of reconciliation to others. It's not a special gift. It's not for some and not others. If you've come to faith in Christ, you are a minister of reconciliation to this world. When we live like this, uh, we are salt and light. And we are an effective influence among the people we connect with. Paul requested prayer for himself in most of his letters. And this request reveals what's important to him as, as he shared his faith. I'm looking at Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. He's saying, will you pray for me that when I say what I say, I say it clearly and be understood? Would you help me do that? And then he had some, uh, some instruction for the people to follow. He said this to all of us, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time you have with them. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer, uh, ought to answer each person, assuming they've asked a question. Peter helps us understand how this is an effective influence. Uh, he says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense or give an answer to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And I want you to note this. Be ready to give an answer, assuming now someone's asked you a question about your hope. So somehow they know you have hope, either through what you say or what they see in your life. And so out of being salt and light in relationship with people comes the question, where do you get this hope? And be ready to give an answer for that. And do it with gentleness and respect. Take time to show interest in others. Your neighbors, your clerks, the tellers, the waiters, and time they'll know a lot about you, and you'll know a lot about them. Uh, be real. Live a life that's authentic. Depend on God. Expect God to lead you in your time with other people. Um, just show up and watch what God does. Open your mouth and see what comes out. Now, I have heard that advice a lot, that the other way around. Ed, could you stop and think about what you say before you say it? Yeah, I do after it's out, but, but the, the prescription teaches us too. If there's ever a time we're up before the judge and we have to give an excuse for our faith, it says don't even think about it ahead of time. The Spirit of God will give you the words to say that cannot be contended with. I said, well, uh, that's a walk of faith. And so sometimes I'm willing to do that. But uh, I just find that if I take the time to, to get a waiter's name, and how long have you been working here? Uh, you in school? Or is this your, your main thing? Because uh, you're usually younger. And, uh, and before, you know what? 
and I get their name. The next time we come, we use their name. And um, amazingly, there's a Thai restaurant we go to that uh, when I order my pot Thai, uh, I don't have to ask them for something I want because they already know I want it. I want my little cup peanut sauce come with it. And, and they bring it. And they call us by name. They, and some of them give us a hug when we show up. Uh, but we're friendly with the people at the restaurant. And we have influence in their life because of that. We have a dairy we go to. There are people from another country and another faith, but uh, we're friendly. We know their names, we know their family, they know us, and we just drive up and they know what we're gonna order. We want our, our half gallon of 2% and a dozen eggs and uh, four bananas. And, and they know that, well, that's what they have at the store. So I'd say, well, we'll get it. But they're pleased to give us the best bananas they have because Carla makes banana bread and leaves them a loaf every once in a while. It's just an act of kindness, but it's, it's a building a relationship that allows us to share what's real in our life in Christ. I think that's what it means to be salt and light. And we can all do that. Just take the time. The last thought I, I have to leave with you here is that God's work is God's work. Don't ever forget that. You can lose all the excuses why you can't do what you got to do, but anything he asks you to do, it's his work to do. Just let him. Be present. Let him do what he's going to do through you, in you. Your life is a glove. God is the hand. The glove can't do anything in and of itself. With a hand in it, it has use. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, this morning, uh, we are here to remember the Lord's death, the life that uh, Jesus gave up for us. Jesus left uh, symbols for his disciples the last night that he gathered with them. And uh, there at the mealtime, he took some bread from the meal and he broke it and said, this is my body for you. It is for you. Now this is the night before he was crucified. They don't even get it. We do. He says, this, is, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you eat it, you remember my death until he comes. And he took a cup from the dinner. And he said, this is my blood, which is going to be shed. Remember remember me as often as you drink it. And I thought it was really interesting that God, Jesus, would choose to represent himself in simple things that we experience mostly three times a day in our culture. Every meal... You have something to drink, and every meal you have something to eat. And if somehow in your mind you can make it a practice to remember when you eat, remember who paid the price for you to have a relationship with God, the same one who was faithful to provide that food for you. But this morning, we're going to uh, take the bread and cup together. I want to ask, do any of you... uh, not have a cup 
self-righteous judgment of other people? What are the things that uh, bring dishonor to you and to God? We're told if we confess our sin, if we agree with God concerning the things that uh, don't belong in our life, that he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us takes what we confess to him and he casts it as far as the east is from the west. He buries it in the depths of the deepest sea and he remembers it no more. That's what the scripture says he does with what we confess. So let's take a minute just to reflect the things in your life that when I mentioned those things, something came to your head. Just confess that to the Lord. Thank him for his forgiveness. Then we'll share the bread and cup. Just take a minute now. in which we come and the desperation that we come that Lord we need your forgiveness and we want to honor you with our lives we want to be salt and light that uh, draws people to you Lord thank you for your grace and your mercy thank you for inviting us to come to you boldly and with confidence to receive grace and mercy in times of need and we come to you now Lord and thank you help us never to forget the price that was paid for your forgiveness. And we come in his name, even Jesus. Amen. Paul wrote, uh, For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord, for receiving us, welcoming us as your family. Help us, Lord, to be the salt and light you expect from us. Grateful for your commitment to shape in us the likeness of Jesus. And we come in his name. just to remind you as you pray this week um, remember to pray for that, that Mike, Pastor Mike and the team in, uh, in I don't even know which country they're going to Malawi I think is where they're headed next and, um, and also pray for the team that's headed to Mexico and building homes I understand they're so short on funding to help pay for the cost of the buildings if you want to be a part of that just make a note in a memo or a check and leave it in the back there and that'll, that'll help them too but uh, and remember, the um, Radomilovich family, too, are going to go to Japan. They are a team headed out, the whole family. And they're going there to be a part of a soccer clinic that will bring you testimony to the players that all come from all over the place. Uh, and it'll be a great time. But remember them. And two, just as a new announcement to you, is that uh, uh, they're beginning to take applications for uh, summer internships here at Grace. It's for um, college-age um, uh, people, for the most part. And um, it's just been an opportunity to serve and learn and grow and, and service here in the course of the summer. And you can apply through the church office or on the website. But uh, go in the grace of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Sovereign in the mountain air, sovereign.